Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Speak Out Loud podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. Yes. We thank you that uh, are returning listeners, and we want to welcome you if you're a new listener. We think we have a really exciting special episode today for you, and I think you're going to get a lot out yes. of this. We have back with us Phoebe Barron, who is a licensed professional counselor here in the Metroplex, and we interviewed Phoebe last season about anxiety, and that was so helpful to me personally, and also just to so many listeners. So we wanted to have Phoebe back and talk about the difficulty of trauma in someone's life. So welcome back, Phoebe. Thanks. I'm excited mm-hmm. to be here. Phoebe, um, why don't you give us about you? <laughs> okay. Um, well, like you said, I'm a licensed professional counselor. Um, I've been practicing since 2014, which the quick math in my head says that's about seven years. And um, (laughs) um, I have a husband and three kids. I always want to say the kids and then like forget like there's also a husband there too. Um, And um, yeah, they just started school in the fall and we have two kids in school now and I just have one at home with me on Tuesdays and Thursdays. How's that going? Um, well, I got bored for the first time and I literally can't remember and I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> um, so now I've like, he takes like a mega nap, so which I love because it's like three or four hours where like I can just do whatever I need to do during the day. So. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. A lot of your posts on Instagram are of you in the carpool line. Oh, yeah. So I know you spend a lot of time in the carpool line. Uh-huh. So y'all might want to follow Phoebe Barron on her Instagram. Yes. So that you can get um, in on her stories. They're really cute. I love them. <laughs> and, and recommend me to an, an anger management counselor. <laughs> Because the car line is the bane of my existence. Yes, yes. I think we see each other's true colors when we have to wait in the car, especially with a baby. And then people cut you off. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So if you want to get to know the real Phoebe Bear and follow her on Instagram. Now, now that you say that, I'm thinking back. Somehow this just got brought back to my memory of, so our car line experiences were considerably longer ago. But my probably biggest meltdown in life yes. was in the carpool line. It was. <laughs> and it you may remember like, that. I'm, may, it may be close to not quite 20 years ago, but like right. maybe maybe 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it was it was pretty significant. So, yeah. <laughs> the repentance for that was kind of um, extensive. It was, yes. So, definitely. Yeah. Well, I had my six-year-old call me out on my uh, behavior this week <laughs> after someone cut in line. And she was like... <laughs> You know, kind of had to talk me through it, and I thought, I'm proud because I know that I parented you this way, and yeah. also embarrassed because you're now parenting me right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Our kids are the best accountability. I'm like, <laughs> sometimes I wanted to go, do you know that I have the Holy Spirit and I don't need to? But then I was like, no, I'm proud of you, so I get it. <laughs> right. Well, the the, the uh, pickup line could be a great place uh, to listen to the Speak Out Loud podcast. That's Especially right. if you've got the time and maybe you need the... Uh, emotional encouragement too so uh yeah this is actually take two with phoebe so we want to say a big thank you to phoebe we were able to record this episode a few weeks ago and in in listening back to it had some technical difficulties with our audio and uh, just felt like it wasn't something that we could release and so we are very appreciative to phoebe for giving us two uh times now to uh talk through this episode Mm -hmm. and um so a few weeks ago we talked about fall because we were um, I think anxiously awaiting fall, 
as we sit here today, at least the calendar says we're in fall. It still feels a little bit like summer outside. But um, what's your favorite thing about fall? At least that you can look forward to now that we're really, really close. I love fall clothes. I mean, when we were growing up, somebody would say, oh, that sweater is so soft. There is like a new version of soft these days. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. And when you put it on, it's just like, oh, thank you. And I love having the excuse to wear that and everybody else be wearing it because I even wear a jacket in the summer. So there you have it. True. I agree. It's like the fall wardrobe. Like I love vests and I also love pullovers. Um, And I'm, as I've been sitting here thinking about it, I thought it's partly because of the extra pocket space, you know, because lady pockets are kind of useless in pants Mm -hmm. and, um, but the vest pockets and the little pouch and my pullovers, man, that's a great place to take my phone. You wear vests very well. I love them. You're just darling. So very, very cool. What about well, mine is definitely not clothes, though I like clothes. But <laughs> it does. It, for a guy, he's it, good with clothes. It he doesn't is. hate well, shopping. I, I have a wife and two daughters, so I've learned uh, over the years how to shop. But definitely, um, you know, this summer was brutal on our grass and our landscaping. Mm-hmm. And I've even had a professional landscaper look at it, and he gave only he gave me a little bit of encouragement. Said it's been bad for everybody. So this is the time of year for our yard with the type of grass we have that I can replant. Um, it's going to take a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family teases me that I uh, have a third child, that it's our grass, and mm-hmm. uh, I give a lot of attention to it every fall. So yeah, I am excited that it's going to be green again, hopefully, and not this ugly brown. Yeah. He talked to Lauren Hall at something we were at recently and Lauren was just like, it's okay. And I, I, in that moment I was like, Lauren, you have no idea how many tears you are saving my husband right now. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I needed, I needed support there too. So I, I think our grass and garden that. is Jeff's fourth child. It is not my okay. fourth yes. child. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. I have only ever kept an air plant alive. Mm-hmm. So he wow. keeps everything else alive. Yeah. Yes, that's you're a good team. <laughs> I have not done a very good job keeping it alive this year. We've but been we gone will, a lot. We're busy. We'll see if this fall can bring back a um, revival of our of our yard. So, all right. So let's jump into this. So Phoebe, as you shared a little bit ago, and Stacy, you mentioned um, you're a licensed professional counselor in a couple areas. You, you treat a wide range of things, but a couple areas that are. Specifically, specialties for you would be anxiety, which we talked about with you last spring, but also trauma. And certainly those two things can go hand in hand. But we want to dive in today and, and go deep and talk about trauma, just the impacts it has and and, and kind of get your view and, and, and help some of our listeners maybe if they're dealing with some trauma in their past, just give some encouragement and hope through that and, and maybe give a little bit of direction at the same time. So as we jump into that, just Right off the bat, how would you define or how would you describe trauma? Um, yeah, kind of one thing that I forgot to mention earlier that's always my disclaimer, which is that I am a therapist and not your therapist. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so, you know, especially when we talk about trauma, I always like to say, you know, things are triggering to you or uh, you're feeling overwhelmed. Um, always fi- like go and find somebody, whether that's a trusted friend or a, an actual therapist, or if you have a therapist, schedule an appointment. Um, because mm-hmm. I I love to educate people because I think education is often the first step to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like defining trauma, I have a really broad 
definition of it, just that trauma is anything that overwhelms your system. So when Mm. you experience it, you um, don't instantly know how to cope with it or someone isn't instantly there to help you cope with it. Mm -hmm. So it just overwhelms your emotions, your body, um, your ability to, to cope and think around it. Um, and those kinds of things imprint as trauma. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Are there, would you say there are different types of trauma though? Um, yes. I, again, really broadly speaking, I think there's trauma that is like a bad thing happened to me. Like I got in a car wreck mm-hmm. or, um, someone bullied me at school um, things like that. And then there's the trauma of good things were um, either taken away from me mm-hmm. or were withheld from me, like emotional neglect or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think of like a natural disaster. That's often both kinds, right? A bad thing happened to me and all of my stuff was gone right. in the tornado or the hurricane or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Yeah, I would say that those are kind of the two big categories of trauma for me. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally understand that. Along with that, um, you know, everybody deals with everything differently. So how would you say, what are some examples do you think of ways people deal with trauma? Yeah, so these would be... um, and, And a good way we're looking for resiliency factors of was was a caring person there with you if it's a child Mm -hmm. was a caring adult there for you Mm -hmm. um did you already have the emotional tools to kind of revisit that and come back around to it Mm -hmm. um and and understand that trauma Mm -hmm. um and then of course there are also the like negative ways people cope with too much of a substance whether that substance is food or Mm -hmm. um you know, alcohol or drugs, or I think even now, you know, we love to numb out to Netflix or um, whatever it happens to be. Um, So, yeah, I think there are like those resiliency factors. And then there are also ways that we cope to numb out Mm -hmm. and just escape what we're feeling. Mm -hmm. I think it's horrible to be able to put a name to your trauma. I think that's horrible. But it also, I feel like, is defining. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, yeah. it gives a handle to be able to say this thing happened to me. Yes. Um, I call that the other kind, like a slow drip trauma. Um, okay. I was watching some show and they, this it was like a, a Viking show. I love like historical dramas. And so uh, this man had done something wrong. And the Viking way was that he got strung up in a cave and there was a drip on his head. And um, Mm -hmm. the the stringing up was not the worst part. It was the drip on his head, you know, that's like not physically going to hurt him, but is just that slow drip that will that wore him down, really. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. That's an excellent example of that. Wow. What I was, and I was just thinking of this, um, Stacy too, and, and Phoebe, yeah. you might comment on, on this. It was really interesting when, um, so Stacy, you came back from being in treatment and, and being in inpatient treatment for about four months. Mm-hmm. I remember, and, and this was, you know, ignorance on my part. It was not thinking things through. And so those of you that are loved ones and supporters, you know, I tell people all the time, I've, most of the lessons I've learned, I've learned the hard way, right? And unfortunately, we, you may have to go through a hard experience because I've learned it the hard way. But I remember a few weeks after that, 
I had this movie that I thought we as a whole family should go to. Yeah. <laughs> and it was this... The book had been very inspirational. Mm-hmm. It was a kind of a World War II story. Again, I'm thinking... I was dying to see it. I don't know why I thought my wife and two daughters would love to go see this World War II story. But there was a couple scenes in it with some pretty intense trauma. And Stacy, that freaked... I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I'm not enjoying this. It freaked you out. Mm-hmm. You you had to get up and leave. And you were visibly shaken and upset by that. And it yeah. was just, you know, that was a bit of a, a challenging season for us just to kind of, kind of basically come back into out of treatment and just resettle into what life looked like. Sure. But that was a hard lesson. It's like, okay, something was really triggering. Even watching a traumatic experience, though you had not been through exactly what that person had gone through, just really triggered a response in you. It was really uh, yeah, hard. Yeah, it did because, and it just stresses to me, number one, you were totally doing that innocently. And you have seen all these girly movies, so we were like, okay, we will take you... We will go with you to see a movie that really interests you. So a great lesson in that is just to know your community, know what's going on. And that's yeah. why we bring this to the forefront. We want you to know um, what you're dealing with, who you're dealing with, and how to relate to them and how to be sensitive to them and how to point them to the Lord in that for healing. So, And I hear that trauma triggers are really unpredictable, right? Very You've never much. been in a war. No. We would not tend to think like, oh, no. this war movie is going to trigger you. Right. Um, but it did. It and, did. And that's okay. And I love, like, your grace towards Doug and, mm. you know, just being like, he didn't take me to this movie so that I would be triggered. Absolutely not. I mean, we were just trying to have a fun family night, and it just... Yeah. <laughs> Completely backfired. You say innocent. I, I was thinking innocent ignorance on my part, but no. I, at least it was innocent. But, but Phoebe, I just I think, waited in the hall for an hour and a yeah. half. It was no big deal. <laughs> and why I just didn't leave. Again, I'm thinking, why didn't I just leave? When you leave, I should have left. But we'll, we've sought therapy over that. So we'll, um, but Phoebe, something else about that, kind of using that as maybe an example. So when, when you talk about um, triggers and you talk about trauma triggers for people, um, is it, I've often heard sometimes like something can happen and be unexpected that seems to bring that person almost right back to where, though the trauma may have been years ago, mm-hmm. it feels like it's happening all over again, or it mm-hmm. feels like it's almost in the immediate. Is mm-hmm. that an accurate way to describe that? Or Yeah, and that's that's specifically like a flashback. Okay. Um, whether, it's the, whether the flashback is visual, like I'm visually reliving this, or if it's just that your body is doing that, um, I, I think the reason that, triggers can be unpredictable is that um, when we are traumatized, it's not just a, a memory, like a visual memory that you would play in your head, but your body remembers it and it right. encodes that specific feeling as well mm-hmm. and connects it to that trauma. A negative belief is formed or reinforced during that. So a, a trigger can ping on any part of that, the negative belief, the physical body sensation of the emotion, or if it's something that physically happen to you um, that can be sensitive and or just the emotion itself right um, mm-hmm. I, you I, I'm kind of wondering if this is the same movie but I was watching a World War II movie uh, mm-hmm. back after Charlie was born and mm-hmm. we were like we're like we don't have Viv like it's just us and Charlie let's watch this movie and I should have stopped the movie because I was 
postpartum and very sensitive and the whole movie was like a slow burn anxiety attack for me because it's Mm -hmm. like will will they succeed in their mission um Mm. and I don't even remember how the movie ended okay (laughs) (laughs) you may have left too so Yeah. yeah Yeah, that. Thank you for putting things to where we can understand it, Phoebe. I really appreciate that. And you, as the listeners and stuff, really know that that is a gift because um, intelligence can sometimes overwhelm people. And I'm so thankful that you can do that. So thank you, Phoebe. So one of the things, too, Phoebe, as you say that, it's it's not that the it's not necessarily always the mental memory that can mm-hmm. trigger the response. I, you said something really interesting. It's like your your mind and, and you imprint everything about that moment. So how you feel. So it could almost be like if that physical feeling for some reason is recreated in your body, that can almost then re-trigger the traumatic experience emotionally and mentally at the same time too. I kind of picture it as a spider web. So a spider can be, you know, in one corner of the spider web, but feel the vibrations in a different part of it. And, mm. then, and then the whole spider web is activated. Um, And so if something kind of catches in that web of Mm -hmm. the negative belief, the body sensation, the emotion, the the physical environmental experience of it, then the whole network can get triggered. That's a really good explanation. Thank you. Well, we often hear the phrase um, PTSD Mm -hmm. or post-traumatic stress disorder. And so um, would you say that all trauma responses fall under that umbrella, or is that just one specific diagnosis out of maybe many traumatic responses and diagnoses? Um, so PTSD is a really specific diagnosis. Um, it has, I think, three or four big categories, and then you have to hit a certain number of symptoms under each of those categories. Um, so not everybody who experiences trauma is going to be even able to be diagnosed with PTSD. Um, diagnostically, there are things like other specified or unspecified trauma and stressor-related disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when the focus of treatment is going to be on the trauma, but maybe their symptoms don't rise to the level of PTSD. Mm. Our umbrella with this podcast is obviously mental illness. And do you think that trauma is considered a part of that or a result of that? I think trauma can result in a lot of mental illnesses Mm -hmm. um, and and even specific diagnoses like anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. or PTSD. Um, I've Mm -hmm. seen it uh, kind of trigger some OCD in people as well. So you know, it. I think how how we cope afterwards will kind of depend on um, what diagnosis we could fall into and or what diagnostic category we we could be placed in. I don't want to say fall into as in sure. like you know you stumbled down a path or something, but yeah. um, kind of what bucket we would we that would place you in, and mm-hmm. then um, and you know what were your resiliency factors as well and. Maybe maybe it increased your anxiety, but it doesn't rise to the level of being able to be diagnosed with anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it can lead to mental health issues. Um, and the longer we wait to resolve it, the more likely it's going to um, pull us into kind of maladaptive coping. Sure, sure. I, case in point with that, when I can remember when I was growing up in seventh grade, I kept getting sick kept getting sick, kept mm-hmm. getting sick, and we had trouble finding medical care. Um, my dad was a minister. Insurance was not 
good. I'm not saying that was across the board for ministers, but his was not. And our families didn't, our family didn't have good insurance. And so we would go to the doctor um, when I absolutely had to go. And we went to several different doctors and they couldn't figure out what was going wrong. They kept saying, you have a stomach virus, you have this, you have that. And not getting that a medical treatment or not getting the diagnosis that I needed um, or that we were searching for, I just kept getting worse. So now, or as I was growing up, my fear was um, not getting that care that I needed. Mm -hmm. Come to find out I had um, appendicitis and it had ruptured, my appendix had ruptured 13 hours before and I had very, a lot of um, infection um, in my abdomen and that, now, if anybody has a stomach ache or in our family, our kids and everything, if Doug does or anything, it triggers all those responses of, oh no, what if I can't care for them? What if we can't get medical care? What if they don't stop getting sick? All mm -hmm. of these things just totally just overwhelm me. Whereas somebody else would go, mm, I don't like to throw up. Okay, that's a bad thing, but I'm going to be fine within 24 hours. Not me. I go I just get so scared. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm instantly on the phone with our doctor who happens to be our friend and going for it. You know, give him medicine, give them medicine right now. So is that kind of is that kind of what you're talking about as far as OCD in the trauma? Yeah, I could definitely like there's that obsession with like, will they get better? Um, and I hear in, in that, too, a great example of, like, you had appendicitis and you weren't appropriately cared for, appropriately diagnosed at a good time, versus someone who has appendis an appendicitis. So I'm mm -hmm. definitely not a medical doctor. Um, and and they, it gets diagnosed quickly and it gets taken care of quickly and there's a name put on it quickly. They just go, yeah, I had an appendicitis once. Now I don't have an appendix. The mm -hmm. end, you know, and mm -hmm. so I think that's a good example of how um, the same event can be encoded as trauma for one person and not as another. Mm -hmm. This is leading to some great discovery. We may have to actually pay Phoebe for a session <laughs> because uh, I'm learning all kinds of things. I'd never put that together. But um, well, and they yeah. also think that kind of infiltrated into anorexia for me mm. because the fear of food and mm -hmm. it going into me and What's making me do? sick. Mm -hmm. And so that also, for lack of a better term, feeds into that. <laughs> so I didn't mean to do that, but whatever. Phoebe, we've just crossed the 18-month um, mark of the pandemic. And so, you know, we've been in this for, it feels like forever. It's mm -hmm. been a long time. But in your practice and just in, in the world around you as you see it, how do you think the pandemic has impacted trauma? Thinking has it has it maybe heightened it? Has it has it brought out maybe more reactions to it? Or maybe this is the slow drip. For some people, the pandemic itself is creating a trauma. Mm -hmm. But what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yes, to all of the above. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think, number one, um, I think as Americans, we tend to cope by being really busy. And so the shutdown last year really... Uh, took away a lot of people's coping mechanism of like, I'll just stay busy enough to avoid all the things that I want to in my life. Mm -hmm. um, the people who um, now 
I would say the fear of getting sick um, or having some kind of long-term illness is more prevalent than I think most people realize. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's like low-key under the surface. And I think that really brought things to the surface. Um, the unknowns of how do we interact with people safely and the fact that the rules keep changing right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right. is I think that concrete. No. And that's the slow drip for me, especially having kids in public schools. It's just like mm-hmm. one minute it's this and the next minute it's that. And, um, so yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know that many therapists that have openings. will say that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Well, and probably most parents, especially maybe not this year as much, but last year that mm-hmm. had kids at home, would maybe say that in of itself could be a a, a minor trauma at best, just because of uh, the stress that brought all you know twenty four seven at yeah. times. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be very interesting when the kids of this time mm-hmm. um, are a little older express their feelings um, about what they've been through, because we as adults, I feel like, can say, and and then kids, I think, are are ver- so verbal, but they can't get out exactly how this has made them feel. I think that'll be very interesting in a few years to hear them. And and I think, too, talking to our kids about the pandemic, not letting it be this secret, weird thing on the side. Like, they know something's up, especially right. if they were in school before. They know school's not normal mm-hmm. now. Um, and so giving them language and context for what what they are experiencing is going to be part of that resiliency for them. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we know is that uh, moms in particular like carried a lot of the weight of the pandemic. A lot of women exited work um, in order to take care of their children. And, you know, that's an individual family decision of if someone's going to stop working or who's going to stop working. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, or people were trying to balance the demands of work from home as well as the demands of kids being at home. And um, so I think that that divided and that pull was really brought people to their limits. And mm-hmm. and I also want to normalize that. Like, yes, of course that brought you to your limits. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, that's really good. I feel like that with trauma um, in my own life and in life of, you know, people in our community is that we think, okay, I should be over this by now. Mm. And because I am a grown adult and things happen maybe when I was younger, um, all the way for, for a long time, those things were reinforced, reinforced. And so now that tape just plays over and over in my mind. And so I think sometimes we put pressure on ourselves to go, okay, that happened a long time ago. And so why do I still have the effects of that? Why do I still get sad at certain things? Why do I still have these reactions to certain things? And I just think it's really important to have grace with each other because trauma overall, we can just say not only is it difficult, but it is sad. Mm-hmm. You know, feel like the timeline on that is um, very unclear and we just need to extend that grace and go, you know what? I will be here for the long haul for you, whatever that looks like. Absolutely. So, I think that's really good, Stace, because a lot of times, um, I know in our experience at least, anytime we've put a timeline on something mm-hmm. and created an expectation around that, it's it's probably not healthy. I mean, it's, it's just backfired. not. It's yeah, It's backfired and it's not a healthy experience to try to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get from point A to point Z, and we're gonna get it done in this amount of time. 
Right. Or we're not going to give ourselves grace over something. Well, that happened so long ago, it, it can't certainly factor in now. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, as you talk about trauma, Phoebe, it certainly can. And it could be from even childhood for an adult yeah. or, or something much more recent. I think that's what a lot of times we can put on each other and we can also put on ourselves and it creates such a pressure that it silences people Mm -hmm. and when we don't talk about things um which is why we do this podcast is to open up the conversation then it only makes us worse um i can just think of this last summer like we referred to in season two episode one um that You know, when you don't talk about something, all it does is it seems to really prolong the hurt and if not make it grow because you're like, what is wrong with me? Why am I having these deep feelings? Why am I still having this? Why why is someone else recovered from this and theirs might be considered worse? All of that in, in our lives has had to be thrown away. Yeah. I kind of think sometimes liken trauma to a vampire and this is not you know vampires that sparkle in the sunlight okay not those (laughs) kinds of vampires but like the original vampire movies where they couldn't be in the sunlight Mm -hmm. and they kind of lurk at night but when you bring trauma out into the light it starts to disintegrate Mm -hmm. um and so yeah i think that silence is the worst thing we can do for trauma, but also knowing who and when to talk about things with, um, you know, you don't want to just like reveal your trauma for the first time on a social media post. I would probably not recommend that, Right. but to, to talk to a trusted friend or a professional about that, um, or a pastor, um, Mm -hmm. to that, that you can reasonably depend on to be there to walk walk you through it. Absolutely. Yeah. Our stories are precious, and we need to make sure that we guard those. And so really ask God, who can I share this with? Mm-hmm. Who should I share this with? And also, God, would you shut the door and not um, let me share it with people who could possibly harm me or make me feel like that um, mine is not significant? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good, Stace. Thank you, Phoebe. Something I I wanted to ask you about, Phoebe, and, and we were we talked a little bit about this um, as we prepared for the episode. But um, when we look at the Bible, and the Bible talks all about suffering. There's places where it talks about suffering, and certainly suffering is a part of every human experience. I mean, Jesus himself promised us, in this world you'll have trouble. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that just as, as human beings, none of us can escape. Certainly there are some, for whatever reasons, that experience much more of it than others. But no matter what your life station, resources, anything like that, suffering is a part of life. Um, So as we look at the Bible and we look at suffering, where do we find hope in that? And and maybe a, a secondary question on that is, does all suffering lead to trauma and if yes or no, but is there a certain like is there a, is there a crossover point where you could say this suffering you know the drip drip rip you've said mm-hmm. it it turns into trauma versus just being maybe part of the human experience that we all have. Does that make sense? How I'm saying that? Is, yeah. Is there do you see anything there that that would help us understand that better? Well, and I think those two questions really tie into each other well. That. Um, Yes, suffer- I, I think, number one, we have to accept that suffering is a part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. I think as American Christians, we often think that effectively what we believe is that if I am good enough, if I am wise enough, 
with my finances, with my choices, Mm -hmm. then I can avoid most suffering in life. And, um, I, that is, that is an Americanized Christianity. That is not the Christianity we read about in the Bible for right. sure. Sure. Um, resources. Like I see Paul, you know, as a Roman, he asserted his Romanness when it was very, um, convenient to him to be able to appeal to Caesar and, um, to, ha- you know, kind of work the legal system as a Roman. And so he did use his resources to his advantage, but it didn't keep him from suffering. Sure. It didn't keep oh, him yeah. from a shipwreck. Um, it didn't keep him from being martyred, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> ultimately. And right. so um, I think that we have to accept that suffering is a part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. And to know that, like, Jesus took on the pun- the punishment for our sins on the cross. And so while our choices may have natural consequences, um, I, I kind of reject the idea that God is, like, extra punishing me. Like, he doesn't yeah. punish sin twice. And mm-hmm. sin was punished in, in Jesus' okay. death on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, so also to reframe that, God is not punishing me, but I, I maybe am experiencing the consequences of my sin or somebody else's sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and that's not going to be gone until Jesus returns or we go home or, you know, whichever yeah. one happens first. And let me tell you, this pandemic has never made me pray like, hey, Jesus, if mm-hmm. you want to come back, I'm cool with it more than sure. any other yeah. time Absolutely. in my life. Yeah. Well, speaking of Paul, you know, and we actually referenced this verse in um, our last episode. So talking about our summer and last week's episode and, and a key word for us. And I've used I've heard you use this several times in this in this discussion, Phoebe. Um, we talked a lot about resilience and mm-hmm. you've used that word with dealing and kind of recovery from trauma. You said the phrase resiliency factor, which I've really been interested in when Paul wrote to the Romans, actually, to that church. <laughs> In chapter 5, he said, We can glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, which I think is another way of saying resilience. Mm -hmm. And that perseverance or that resilience produces character, and character results in hope. So that, you know, you look at character, that depth or that maturity, it, 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 hope comes out the other end of that. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's certainly, um, and I don't want to um, assume something, but even for the person that has done, say, the hard work of, maybe they've gone through something very, very traumatic, mm-hmm. and they've really felt the impacts of that, and trauma's had a huge impact on their mental health. If they've done the work, they've they've worked with a therapist, maybe they've 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 sought help for that and worked through it. There is part of this promise here. There is hope that comes out the other side of that. Mm-hmm. They can experience hope in the end. Even if they've been through something very, very difficult and, and traumatic. Yeah, I think that suffering can result in hope. I think it can also result in despair. And it's, I think, how we approach the suffering and who comes alongside us and who we let come alongside us is, is are huge factors in that. Mm-hmm. And so if I see suffering as um, God hates me or... Um, I am completely a victim to my circumstances and I have no agency. Um, those, that kind of thinking is going to lead us to despair, but to, to anchor ourselves really in the truth, even when the truth doesn't feel comforting, it can feel anchoring. Um, we don't want to curl up next to an anchor and like snuggle it in bed with us like a teddy bear, but it, it does its job when it needs to do its job, right? It holds the ship steady. 
Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I think of God's word as being anchoring always. And, and sometimes it can feel comforting as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think if we will let suffering be a part of our sanctification and be a part of what makes us look more like Christ, who suffered a lot in his mm-hmm. lifetime and through his death, then um, I think that can end in hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we are um, turning away from the Lord and we are letting our trauma define us and tell us who we are mm-hmm. and name name us and tell us how worthless we are or how out of control we are, that's going to lead to a lot of despair. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I love that verse, but it's also not a guarantee that right. we w- that suffering will always end in hope. That's mm-hmm. a great point, and I really appreciate you sharing that because... It's so important as to who we walk alongside with and where we turn and who we turn to. So thank you for sharing that. Well, Phoebe, now that we've talked so much about, you know, the central truth and the mistruths and misbeliefs of trauma um, and just really help define that, what are some options for how it's treated? Um, Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of therapeutic modalities, if you want to get the $5 word in, Mm -hmm. um, to treat trauma. There's um, things like internal family systems, um, EMDR, which is what I primarily use to treat trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, There's um, various forms of cognitive behavioral therapy that Mm -hmm. have been uh, formed specifically to treat trauma. There's one called CBT, and then there's one Mm -hmm. called TFCBT for kids. Um, And so, you know, if you were like doing a Google, if you have experienced trauma and you're like, I really need to find a therapist, you can go back and write those down (laughs) and kind of do a Google search. Can you say them one more time for us? Yeah. So there's um, internal family systems. Mm -hmm. There's EMDR, which stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Mm -hmm. I almost never get that right. That is very hard. (laughs) Yes. The D word is is hard in that. Mm -hmm. Um, There is um, one called CPT and I cannot think of what the P stands for, mm-hmm. um, and but it's a form of cognitive behavioral therapy. And then there's TFCBT, which is trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, which I think is specifically for kids, um, but that's a really great one for, for kiddos that uh, really kind of systematically steps them through their trauma in a way that's very um, low-triggering, t- okay. tends to be very low-triggering. Um, and so... Yeah, I think that those are, that's the therapy is great. Um, I would recommend someone who is specifically trained in trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I also think, you know, if therapy is not an option for you for whatever reason, um, that I would really be in prayer about like, is there a minister on staff you could talk to mm-hmm. at your church? Is there a celebrate recovery group near you? Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of people in CR have experienced trauma, and um, so I think that a good group is going to know how to how to handle your story and and receive it with care. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a trusted friend you could talk to? Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be therapy, but I do recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to what you shared earlier, Phoebe, about the vampire um, analogy. There's there's so much uh, power to bringing it into the light, mm-hmm. and and that's where healing can really begin. So as you describe those different things, I think the key factor, the, the bottom line factor, maybe yeah. is that don't try to go through it alone. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that may be bottom, bottom line. Certainly, we would recommend therapy. Uh, you have access to that, but, but don't try to walk through that alone. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of on the flip side of that, too, say you're a, a friend or a loved one of someone that maybe is, is experiencing the impacts of trauma and trying to walk through that. What are just a, a couple things, maybe that be words of advice on how can someone support somebody else that's maybe been through that? And, and let me just say first, don't take them to a really traumatic uh, World War II movie, possibly. <laughs> you can just rule that out. So uh, that's, that's my, um, uh, my advice there, maybe. But, but from a professional's advice, Phoebe, what are some things you might add to that? Well, that is solid advice right okay, there. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> I'm on track at least, so yeah. Um, so th- this one's actually a little bit hard for me to answer because mm-hmm. I can never stop knowing what I know. And so um, what I've had to learn as a therapist, and I think maybe could be good advice across the board, is to know your limitations in that relationships. Right. Um, I can, I'm thinking of a specific moment where I just kept asking questions. I was a student at the time. So, you know, you kind of are like, look, I got this shiny new hammer. Let me find a nail to, to bang on. Yeah. And so um, I was using some of the tools and I ended up, um, triggering someone and the, the whole thing ended in tears. And I was like, what did I just do? Sure. I knew this person really well. She was going to be fine and resilient. But I also thought, oh man, I really need to be careful with that hammer. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that that is know the limits of that relationship mm-hmm. and what your role is in that specific relationship. She needed me to be a friend, not a counseling student. (laughs) I literally am just picturing my four-year-old with a hammer and I'm like, yeah, that's basically what I was as a counseling student sometimes. Yeah. I actually am going to throw the rest of that back to you, Doug, because I feel like you're more in that position than I am even. All right. Let me me see. Okay. How would I answer that? I, for me, I I think, um, and I referenced this earlier also, expectations are big. And don't make an assumption because something was so long ago, it shouldn't still be impacting somebody today. Or that don't think that, okay, we've, we've, we've been dealing with this now for three months. There's a timetable and we should get past it. Mm-hmm. I think those would be some of those hard, hard learned lessons that I, I referenced earlier that usually I've made those mistakes along the way and we've had to kind of bounce back from those. So I think those would be two key things for me is don't just assume something shouldn't still be impacting you or your loved one. And don't also set an expectation on, well, I'm going to give you three, six months, whatever it may be, and then we're going to move past this. Because they may be able to do that. They may not be able to do that. And also, I mean, we've, we've certainly gotten to this place in our lives to where we value therapy. Mm. I, I still encounter lots of people that they're very hesitant about it. There's still some of that that cloud of, of, of judgment around it for some reason. I think it's, it's, I think that's diminishing quite a bit in our culture today, but in some pockets there's st- still a lot of that there and there's an apprehension about it. And I would just encourage people to, to not be apprehensive about it, mm-hmm. to, to embrace it, whether it's for yourself or to embrace it for your loved one. And it's not something that you should be embarrassed about or that you should be somehow thinking that, um, I don't know what the right word is. There's just no way in my life that I can just muster up that positive energy yeah. or that, you know, something within myself to cure or help or um, lessen the pressure or just help me to feel better. Um, 
I do know that one thing that Phoebe referred to earlier uh, was numbing out and everything. And I do want to say that that is like a slow ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. And so the sooner that you can get help or the help for your child, the better. Also, there's the ministry of sitting with someone and just being in the moment and just till that wave passes over and you can get to the help that you need and also just feeling that unconditional love when you feel very unlovely um, when you are experiencing those thoughts of maybe what has happened to you. I think that's, 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 you just hit the nail on the head, Stace, because I was just sitting here thinking um, something else to add certainly was, you know, the value of presence without necessarily being able to fix something. That's right. And I, I don't know if it's it, the guy thing or just me or whatever, but I think I really struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I want to be able to fix something. Sometimes I can make a problem worse by trying to jump in and say, well, should you do this? Should you do this? And you just need presence. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, for, for those that, that love someone or support them, sometimes you, you can't embrace that pressure of fixing it, mm-hmm. but you can be present, and that is so critical. Mm-hmm. And, and just even as a listener, maybe. One thing that I heard from you, Doug, is that um, you can mess up and the relationship can still be okay. Like sure. as the person trying to help, you mm-hmm. can not hit the nail on the head and you can regroup with the friend or the spouse and and that that's okay. And I would honestly say that that is healing as well, that it Very sends much. the message to the traumatized person that like you are not too much yeah. mm-hmm. and we can do this together. I also, as you guys were talking, thought, you know, God created us to live in community. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, wounds that happen in a relationship are going to be healed in a relationship as well. So Mm -hmm. it takes um, not only the professional, but the people that are going to be there beyond when you need professional help as well um, to, to be there and walk alongside you. Because I don't, I can show people, you know, positive regard and show them and reflect their value and worth. But there is something deeper to someone who loves you unconditionally and can love you. Like, I can't love my clients like I love my friends because that's a professional relationship. And there are Mm -hmm. things that I can only do in a professional relationship Mm -hmm. versus my friends as well. So I do want to touch base really quick about something. Last episode, we talked about suicide. Mm -hmm. And um, we were talking about how um, you can feel like you're too much and everything which you just touched on. And what we hope for you as the listeners that you will say, you know what, even if I feel like I'm too much, I am going to risk it. Mm -hmm. And I am going to go to someone and get help with this. And if um, and let that false belief, let that false belief disintegrate, because Usually, if I felt like I'm too much, which is often because my mind is so loud, and I reach out to a friend or to someone who is on my um, team, my psychiatrist, my uh, my therapist, or anything like that, that has been dispelled instantly. Hey, how are you? Am I too much? Is this a bad time? Is this, 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 this? And they're like, no, actually, I was just thinking about you. Or actually, um, that is a great question. Or I am here for you. Um, Different things like that that just totally dispel that, which keep me from going down that negative, horrible path that leads me to perhaps self-harm and self-harm being the prerequisite to wanting to do more. So I just want to kind of tie those two together that we want to stop that 
cycle, then we want to stop that process by letting those thoughts that you may be having and that are so overwhelming being dispelled. Stacy, this isn't just a plug for your book. Uh, you are worth saving. But I know you have a really powerful chapter in your book uh, entitled Never Too Much. Mm-hmm. And I think you really speak to that in that chapter. And you kind of pour your heart out about how you felt, but also that reality of um, it's not too much. Mm-hmm. It's not too much for those around you, and it's certainly not too much for God. Well, as we wrap up today's discussion, um, what we like to always do as we finish out uh, each episode is just talk, make sure we've talked about hope. So as we think about this, um, Phoebe, just in your mind, how can someone who is struggling with the impacts of trauma, maybe just one or two things, how can they find hope? I think one is to just recognize that what happened to you or what you were denied, right? If it's emotional neglect or um, physical neglect or things, um, you did not deserve that. It wasn't because of who you are or it's not a comment on your value and worth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a comment on the effects of sin in this world. And it's a comment on how this this earth, the way it is, is not our home ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so just to remind people that their value and worth is, is set. Like they're a human being made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they are worthy and they are valuable and they are loved by God. Um, and so I think that trauma, one of the worst things that it does is that it, it tries to name us and it tries to take over our identity and tell us that we're not, not worthy, that we're not powerful, um, that we are not safe. And um, mm-hmm. all of those are lies. And so when we anchor in the truth and we repeat the truth often enough and we have our community reflect that truth back to us, then the lie of the negative belief that gets formed in the trauma starts to get quieter and the truth of who we are in in God um, really starts to get louder and louder. Mm. That's really good. That's excellent. Stacy. how have you um, found hope? Well, I've tried a lot of things, honestly. Um, I have said no to God in his word for a long time and said that's, you know, you don't know what I've been through, so that's not going to cut it. And um my hope has kind of, without using the word incorrectly, evolved back to where it is 100% in surrounding myself with people who love the Lord and who are committed to Him, whatever that looks like, and that have um, said Scripture back to me um, and challenged me with Scripture, not in, well, if you would only read your Bible, or if you would only do this, but saying, Consider this, Stacy. You know, you there are so many scriptures about talking about I'm not too much, that I am a child of God, um, that I'm not anorexia, uh, that I'm not the you know poster child for depression. I am a child of God, and that erases those titles from being the epitome of who I am. Yeah. And so I'm so thankful for that. And don't ever underestimate your, if you're someone who's supporting someone with mental illness, don't ever underestimate the power of your words. And the fact that you can say those things to someone who's hurting and they may push back at first, but my best yes has been when I have let that come into my heart and infiltrate my life and go, you know what? It's worth a shot. Yeah. It's worth a try. I've tried so many other things. Why not try God? And I would challenge you to do that sooner than later. Don't be like me 
and push away because of past experiences, but really embrace the Lord in what you're doing. He can handle your anger. He can handle whatever your trauma is, and he can put you on a different path, not saying that those things were not important. Um, They are precious to him, but by the same token, he is stronger than that. That's huge. Oh, man, he is stronger than that. Well, in your life verse... Psalm yeah. one eighteen seventeen. We yeah. we say it a lot. You say it a lot. I but, will not die, but live and proclaim what the Lord has done. Brief, but very powerful. Yeah. So. And I think that's that's excellent words for maybe somebody that's that's gone through trauma. I will not die, but I will live and um, be able to proclaim what God's done in my life. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Phoebe. Mm. Friends, as we wrap up this episode, we are so appreciative of you for for listening, for being a part of the Speak Out Loud podcast, uh, for joining together with us in this community to bring hope and encouragement to those who struggle with mental illness and to those who love and support them. So several ways you can really get involved and help us with that. Um, If you're listening to this maybe for the first time or maybe many times, if you've not yet followed or or liked um, the podcast, we'd invite you to do that. Certainly Apple and Spotify maybe are places you listen, but there's a lot of other podcast players. Follow along. Our goal is to release an episode um, each Thursday of the week throughout Season 2. And if you're following or if you're, 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 you're tracking with that, um, you're going to be notified when that new episode's available. It'll be right there for you. Um, if you've not yet seen our, our new social media pages for the podcast, we've created a Facebook and Instagram page for the Speak Out Loud podcast just within the last month or so. Uh, we'd love for you to follow along there. It's a great place to find information, to find links. And one of the ways we want to engage with you throughout this season is through that, that Speak Out Loud podcast page so that we can hear from you and also share uh, some of the feedback maybe you're giving us. And um, we have some way, some episodes planned later in Season 2 that are going to really try to use responses from you and hear from you, and we want, we want to share that in the episode. A um, couple other things that uh, we have going on that, as I mentioned earlier, Stacy's book is available on You Are Worth Saving, Letters of Hope from a Desperate Heart. It's available um, on Amazon, and it's also available at a few bookstores around Oklahoma City and Dallas and Florida. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to Stacy or I to potentially be a speaker for your group, a church group, uh, whatever group it may be, a school group, we're available. We'd love to come and share our story and share about the hope we've found and also bring encouragement to maybe those who have a similar struggle or maybe just are struggling in some area of life. And um, we think there's hope there, and bottom line, uh, we want to share the hope that we've experienced and not point to ourselves, but to the hope that we've experienced through God. And finally, Phoebe, how can how can uh, somebody find you if they'd like to look, hear more from you or see more about you uh, and your practice and what you do? Um, yeah, so I am on Instagram, Phoebe Kate Barron. Someone had my first and last name alone, which is shocking. That like is hardly ever taken. Um, and so I love to speak to women on Instagram about, um, you know, what do we do with all the stress and anxiety and overwhelm in our life and how do we take care of ourselves and mm-hmm. so that we can be available for our people and our responsibilities. Um, so that's mostly what you'll hear from me on Instagram, often through my own life stories, yes. like being enraged at people cutting in line in the carpool line. There you go. All right. <laughs> um, and so it's at Phoebe Kate Barron. Yes. Okay. And um, then I do have a private practice here in Oklahoma City. I typically stay very full, um, but I think if you're looking for a therapist, um, Psychology Today is a great place to start or just a simple Google search. 
Um, and I really love to refer people, uh, or have people look for what, what are they specifically wanting help with if they know that, um, and to find somebody who is well-trained in, in that specific area. All right. Well, we'll put that information in the show notes so you can look for it there as well and how you can follow Phoebe on her Instagram page, um, and how you can also follow us on our social media page for the podcast. But we are so thankful for your time today and for joining us. And until next week, God bless you guys.